Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the One More Jump podcast by Rise Pole Vault. Today's episode is with Paul Burgess. Paul is the head pole vault coach at the Western Australia Institute for Sport. And then I think he explained it in the podcast better, but he works with like the national team as well. I don't know if he's the national team, you know, pole vault coach or or whatnot. I think he explained that in the podcast, so I should probably pay better attention. But anyway, he's also a former Olympian and former six meter pole vaulter. And he went through a lot of interesting things in his career. And then also, you know, after his career, um, struggled to get, you know, find himself, I guess, after his pole vaulting career. And I think I really wanted to talk to him because it's so important that people understand that these pole vaulters and Olympians and, uh, you know, people that we might put up on a pedestal, they struggle at times. And it's important to see that so then we understand that no matter if you get to that next level or you get to that next PR or you win the state championship or you win the Olympic gold medal, the human struggle doesn't ever go away. Um, so it's best that you learn how to deal with that. With that, And uh, and he's, he's learned how to deal with that to the best of his ability. But he was so open and vulnerable for, throughout this whole podcast. And I just really appreciated that. And we lined up on a whole lot of things, which is really fun and it makes it a lot more interesting. And um, because if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I struggled to uh, still struggle a little bit finding, you know, something that can fill the that void of, of athletic uh you know, being an athlete, being strong and being fast and being the best at something, that is something that's very addictive, my friends. Um, but, but yeah, so anyway, it was just so cool to talk with him and him being so open and honest. It's in, it, Some people, are, they just are not cool with just telling it how it is and being real. And I think a lot of people hide those, you know, sorts of feelings. But Paul was like, you know what, man, this is who I am. And this is what I'm, you know, this is just what it is. And, and yeah, so super, super nice guy. And uh, this is another one that was difficult because we're in totally different time zone. He's in Australia during this podcast. And, um, and yeah, so it's always interesting lining those those podcasts up. But anyway, hope you guys enjoy this podcast with Paul Burgess. One more thing before we get started. There were a couple times where the audio acted goofy and maybe dropped out for just a second. I apologize about that. We're doing this podcast literally across the world. And um, this is just as as good as we can do for right now. But yeah, so apologize about that and enjoy the show. You know how it is. It's just 
oh, it's hard, man. It's so as you yeah, get no, older, oh, your time, so your time people. just slips away. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it's been great coaching again and just doing the whole thing again as a coach and that all this, like getting, meeting all my friends again, yeah. you know, full circle. And, you know, like, uh, they were like my best friends when we were jumping, like, you know, Brad and Tim and, and, um, you know, Jeff and all that. Like, we were like, you know, so tight. Right. And Toby. And, um, then you sort of just go away and you're sort of like, oh, God, well, when will I ever see them again? Yeah. Um, but it's been awesome. Like, we were, we were really good friends then and we're still just the same now. Yeah. Well, now you're back and, and we just, we roll into this thing and, and it's super laid back. Uh, so we just, we just roll yeah. in and, uh, yeah. So I got, I mean, I guess we could start there. I mean, you had a crazy season. That was a heck of a season for you guys, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, it just felt a bit like Summer and Louise. Yeah. Like we were just run, on the run the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looked like. I follow you on Instagram. Yeah. I'm like, man, this yeah. dude is all over the world, man. Yeah, well, that was really fun though. Like I, um, I loved every minute of it. You know, I just, um, you know, and obviously Nina was just doing so well. Um, Kurt was doing, Kurt was doing okay, and then and just had a bit of a disappointing World Champs. But um, the last part of the season was really good for him too, and really rewarding. Mm. So he sort of pulled it back together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Nina, Nina, the the she just um had a crazy year that's just sort of life changing for her and. Yeah. And I hope and I believe it's just the start for her. Yeah. So yeah, and I was really happy you you had mentioned about Curtis and uh that that was really nice to see that because I was mm. there my I coached my brother at the World Championships and yeah. uh and yeah, so I, I saw I saw him uh you know in the prelim and I was just like, "Oh man." Mm. But that was so nice to be able to him to bounce back and have have a couple good ones, you know, at the end there. <laughs> And and he was just like you know even though he was sort of suffering a bit he was so supportive of Nina like the way he just was he was such a, a legend about it and he's um just become such a good guy over the, over the last few years he's really matured and um you know we've been trying to sort of set up a team type environment um but it's hard with individual athletes but he truly ha- you know took the high road and and um sort of didn't want to didn't want to be down around her and, and made sure he was up for her right so it was it was pretty impressive from him yeah yeah the televised uh portions at least in the states uh they kept, they kept on calling uh him her coach and and like he would yeah, the, the, the video would pan to to her and yeah. him like him showing her over the ipad or whatever and they were like, yeah, this is, uh, you know, Nina and, and her coach. And I was like, I don't think that's don't the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't, doesn't worry me. It was good, though. He, he was kind of important. She, she did start to sort of really like having him there, even in Zurich. She was sort of like, he came. She sort of said, oh, I'd like you to be there. So he came to watch. And during the warm-up or after the warm-up, Nina came up going, where's 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 Kurt? You know, she wanted to – it's like a security blanket. She sort of wanted to know that. So yeah. he'd come up and wave to her and, and just sort of she felt, you know, the team was there. That's awesome. Yeah. So how do you – how do you – well, what it, first of all, what's your role? Like what what exactly, like, is your title or your yeah. role or whatever in, in Australia? Um. So I'm – I work at the West Australian – Western Australian Institute of Sport, and I and that's where we have in like cahoots with Athletics Australia, the National Pole Vault Program. 
Okay. Um, so Athletics Australia invests into Waste and then Waste supports the, the program. And I'm the head pole vault coach um, for that. So um, it's essentially the, the main players, the marquee guys, are, are Curtis and Nina at the moment. We've got some sort of, um, you know, junior to sort of just just after junior kids sort of coming through and then a kids group. I've got another coach who I work with who, you know, probably works a bit more. We actually try and work together and I try not to sort of like separate us. I feel like we're, we're I try and, you know, we're, we're a program, not a single coach. Right. Um, so, yeah, but we just got different areas that we we lead um so he leads probably the 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 pathway squad a bit more and i'm probably tasked with the elites at the moment um probably just because he i started off with them he came in um a bit later but essentially um you know we collaborate in how we program and and i include him in all that right um right but but we also have a team of of staff that help us and I really try and operate as a team. So we've got strength and conditioning, biomechanists, uh, we've wow. got an embedded physio, um, sports psych, um, uh, nutritionist and stuff. And I really try and try and, you know, keep the team part of it and, and give them ownership over their part. I, right. I feel like it gives, makes them more invested. How does an athlete gain access to your program um so generally it's to be sort of we're sort of figuring it out and we're trying to we're trying to argue for different things at the moment but generally say a junior who say qualified for the world junior championships and made the team or whatever would probably just go on the lowest level of scholarship um which is coaching and and just the support um not a lot of financial support or anything um, and it sort of goes up from there. Um, the but we've now we the junior squad. We've sort of argued we have to be working on the next generation, right? Or else we're doing ourselves out of a job, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, they sure. like us. To, they, they want they want results now, of right. course, which is normal. But we we believe we've got to keep working on on um, you know developing athletes for the so we so we can have someone to coach in the next you know five years right right well it's it's uh you know a lot of fun whenever you are coaching the final product you know like and and you're and that's you know but the reality is is you got to teach kids you know pretty young and you gotta and if you want to have those vaulters that are going to kind of follow in your system and things like that you gotta you gotta start them early you know and and yeah hopefully they understand and 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 just keep you know, even just having a squad coming through, not you know, not all of them are destined to be um, Olympians or Olympic champions or anything. You know, so um, but but the squad needs to, you know, we need to need to include athletes um, on a bit broader level than just purely if they are talented enough to win a gold medal. Otherwise, right. it just you know, because essentially, you never know where that comes from. You know that that comes out of nowhere sometimes, diamond in the rough. But but the the culture of the squad um, is important. Um, and so in that case, though, you know, because we don't want to make people that we you know probably aren't going to live make a living out of it. We really try and make it an enjoyable experience for them. So 
you know, it's not going to be that we're we're not selling them down the river. Right. You know, I'm saying you're going to make the Olympics when we don't believe they can. It's, it's still got to be an enjoyable time, yeah. and and um, yeah, so. You know, it's hard to kind of like I've seen it before where you, you get athletes to commit to everything, give up everything else and make them commit a hundred percent and then they just go nowhere and they just end up angry. <laughs> yeah. I bet yeah, you know? for sure. For um, sure. Which is fair enough, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh yeah, that's interesting. Um, so you talk about this, you know, sense of team and like that seems yeah. pretty hard to attain when you have, you know, individual elite individuals, especially because there's there's probably such big differences in the needs of yeah. the, you know elite athletes. And I think yeah. like in the states, like in the states, there's just like kind of different sects of like okay, there's a few good vaulters in this area, there's a few good vaulters over here, yeah. but I think a lot of them just train by themselves. Um, mm. so how do you manage personalities and, and yeah. create that sense of team? Well, and that's the thing you can't, you, we're not, we, we're not gonna, I'm not going to ask someone to, that they, they'll tell someone they have to be best friends with this person and that they have to like them even. Right. Um, I guess we come up with sort of, you know, agreed value or agreed behaviors that is the bare minimum and uh, I guess I'm talking about team as a, as a whole as far as like for me working as a team with the with the um with the service providers and us and for, it's a lot to do with me not operating um as a lone wolf right and not getting advice from people and not letting anyone in on my program and sort of not uh having checks and balances <laughs> right so a lot of us do with that but then obviously it's just better if we can get the group um you know they can be we, we need them to get along and you know and all that but we have definitely had athletes that don't like each other much but they you know and so we we be smart about it we're not going to put them in a room together when we go to nationals or we're not going to um make them train together all the time yeah you know we just ask that they respect each other and um and leave it leave it outside the the track um but, uh, you know, it does feel like a good vibe at the moment. I think, you know, um, and I think that, look, I, I've been in the position, you know, to probably end up talking about it where I was training with Steve and how competitive that was. I think it's at the moment it's a decent situation with Kurt and Nina not competing against each other. Right. Um, and, you know, but I could still see how hard, how hard it must be for Kurt to watch Nina achieve all this stuff, but he's just so genuinely happy for her. Um, awesome. You know, he wants it. He wants it himself, and mm -hmm. I believe he'll break through and, and sort of get, get to that next level, um, whether it be, you know, sort of, I don't know, you never know with medals and stuff, but, you know, sort of be in the mix, be in the yeah. mix. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, by... The, the, his attitude and stuff is going to help him help him get there too, but right. yeah, I, I mean it's it's just a uh, the team sort of thought comes from. Um, I just think if you coach on your own and t t take charge of everything, I see a lot of coaches um, lose perspective of what they're doing right and wrong, and they don't have anyone to to give them. 
to tell them when they're going overboard on something. You go down rabbit holes. I do it all the time. I need yeah. someone to check on me. <laughs> right. And I want someone to call me out. Like I want to show a program. Someone can see a, a, a mistake. I want someone to see it and tell me before I make the mistake. Right. You know, right. Um, yeah, don't get me sure. wrong. When they fix it, I'll take all the credit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, it's it really is that checks and balances. And there's there's things yeah. in my life too that are exactly like that. I own a business and run it with my brother. And my brother checks me all the time. He's eight yeah. years younger than me. And it yeah. takes a lot to, you know, for your younger brother to just be like, hey man, that's a stupid idea. You know? Yeah. But at the end yeah, of the well, day you got to be able to take advice it. and things like that, mm. you know? Well, my six-year-old um, boy and my nine-year-old girl, they have no problem giving each other, <laughs> you know, sound, sound and honest advice. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So what do you think, uh, what do you think happened with Nina? Like, what do you think? Um, I think, you Is know. You coming? Sorry, what was that? Did you see it coming? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, look, you know, like, there's been building over the last few years. I just think, um, you know, she she just wasn't, she just had couldn't get a run for a while. She had some, you know, the situation a few years ago, she was just having some injuries and some mental health stuff and everything and just couldn't get flow. And I, I just think she was always a, a great natural athlete that was um, – her speed was just her weapon. When I sort of took over, I sort of thought, got to just let let her speed come back because I sort of felt like, and, and and she's a tech. She's I think she's got a great technique, but she's not a technician as far as she can't drill. But she can do the end product, so she's all feel. So I don't. I try to not coach her too much. You know, involved. I sort of say to her, you know what it feels like. You know what you're aiming for. Aim for that power pocket right and right. she'll be like what did i do then and like, what did i do wrong then i'll be like um you just didn't quite get it try again didn't hit the you power know. pocket <laughs> and, and let let her instincts sort of know when it's right and right. and a bit like that so i mean obviously it's not as simple as that there is some coaching and stuff but um but i tried to get her speed back and her speed really has improved and she's gotten she's really improved a lot in her speed um, we've tried really hard to kind of get flow. We try, uh, you know, balance of of training right load, um, so that we get a lot, you know, keep her as healthy as can. Um, and yeah, I think I think a lot of it from now. I think we've got to train hard as hard as we can. We've just got to be careful not to go over that red line. And she can be a bit niggly at times. She can sort of be a bit fragile here and there, but. Right. Um, we've been good this year. Um, right. At managing anything that comes up, um, and I just knew that once she, if she got to the dance floor in good in good shape, mentally she needs to know that she's in good shape and healthy. I just know that she was going to perform. She's not a choker at all. If she's in good form, so she'll jump to her form. If she jumps poorly. It's because she's not in good form. Mm. Right. She's not like jumping four ninety, and then she'll go and jump a four forty somewhere. 
So you she's know, pretty automatic when she's in good form. Once she gets going, she's pretty re- – yeah, and she's easy to coach as well because she jumps so, so um, you know, consistent. We, you said that uh, you needed to get her speed back. So what was there a time <laughs> that it, like, dropped off or how, well, how did that happen? Just, I, I, you know, I think that it's hard to – this is one of the things I think. People say, how do you get – how do you get – faster and um, i'll say have faster parents <laughs> um, seriously <laughs> but but you can you, it's easy to coach the speed out of people coach it out of people I think, I think you know you can train the speed out of them by just deadening them or just you know being too um conservative and not letting them sprint enough and you know things like that um and i just think it just became like um, she just really wasn't doing much sprinting or much hard stuff because she was trying to, um, you know, be careful and not, not get injured or whatever. But I sort of took the other route thinking, well, you need to train hard. You need to build capacity so you don't get injured. That's really crazy because that is almost the same thing that I went through with my brother Luke this year. I mm. was like, "Hey man, you know, we're we're tiptoeing around. We're tiptoeing around mm. these meets, you know, and 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 you know, you're going into the week of a meet thinking that, well, I can't do anything Monday cuz I got to meet on Saturday. I can't do anything Tuesday cuz I got to meet on yeah. Saturday." And it's like, "Hold up, man. If we do that yeah. too many weeks in a row, we don't have any training, you know? And, and so I was like, we're going to have to be okay with maybe yeah. sacrificing a couple meets to train hard, you know? Yeah. Well, do you know what I started feeling is that, you know, Nina was having these minor little muscle injuries last year, which would, you know, we, we got so precious, I think, you know, so she'd have a little muscle injury. We'd scan it. And, and we'd see something because MRIs show everything. Right. So then that would lead to like three weeks of modified training and no vaulting. And then she'd come back, first couple of vault sessions, she'd sort of something else would pull up sore. And then we'd do the same. And then this year it started to happen. It had happened a couple of times. And I just was, you know, brainstorming with some people. And I, came, I sort of thought, do you know what I think it is? I think it's not it, the, the, the reason she, she's getting injured is because she's not vaulting right so she's she's every time she comes back from doing a rehab program the vaulting is too much for her so i'm like i think the vaulting needs to be her rehab so it's like she needs to get continuous vaulting done just kind of even if we lower the sessions and just do make sure we keep getting vault sessions done you know, and I had some pushback and people were saying, you know, well, where's the sort of eccentric strength? And this is coming. And I said, well, it's the exact amount of eccentric strength you need. It's the exact amount. It's the vaulting is is actually the exact amount of strength you need or whatever, you know? Right. It's a perfect training um, for a pole vaulter. So, <laughs> so also I believe it's it's actually building resilience and capacity and and um and that tend to like look. You know, how do you know if that's the case or not? But I, I have a, I just tend to believe that that's what happened. Is she started the more we just kept vaulting because she kept, you know, to start with she was having little things where she's like, oh, I think my quads a bit funny and all this. And I just was like, 
let's just see how it pulls up. Let's just keep, you know, let's just, you know, be careful, but keep going. Yeah. Right. You know, rather than jump, rather than jump at shadows all the time, but it, it's a real tough balance because you don't want to injure someone as a coach. It's so, you know, hard. you, yeah. And you just, I mean, the guilt you feel when you do tell them it'll be okay. And then it's not okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, but at the end of the day, I think, and this is this might be a super dumb way of looking at it, but this is the way that I I look at it is, whenever I was vaulting, I I would have something like a little tiny thing show up, and I'd be like, okay, all right. Now, as I got older, I'd be like, what are the chances of that little tiny thing exploding? Like I had I had plantar fasciitis. Like what? Yeah. What what is the what are the chances of me rupturing my plantar fascia? You know, <laughs> like it it probably just well, hurts, you know, and yeah, it probably can uh, work and, work through it, you know? And and I think um you know, we all in, in I was guilty of it was jumping at shadows in the end. You sort of lose perspective and you start not knowing what's a real injury or what's not. Right. And um so that became a bit of a problem. So then we sort of had to reset go again and um and just yeah it just just panned out quite well we got some comps done in a row she had good results um and it just sort of i you know i knew that i knew that she was jumping she was jumping 70s in training every every session in the lead up to world champ so i knew that she was in good shape but sometimes when that when you're jumping 70 in training the problem is you go to a comp and the pole you're jumping 70 on, you start blowing through. So right. you, it's all about finding the right pole to do it. So really it was just as long as we get the, get on get her on the right poles at the right heights, I knew that she would, um, you know, be there at the end. Right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. – uh, that is – it's a really difficult thing. But I think if you can – with an athlete like you're talking about who, like, she's mm. just a feel athlete, you know, she, mm. she's she's a feel. She got, she's got to feel it and she's got to feel the flow and feel all that. Once you get the ball rolling with somebody yep. like that, it just starts picking up momentum, you know? That's what happened. You know, third attempt opening height. and But then from then on, uh, you know, and I was just like, you know – I was still even at the, but it was with the bowls at four eighty, and I'm still actually like I was still kind of like tearing up from like the that stress that I was going through at the opening height. <laughs> it was real. just a lot, you know. It was just a lot. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But God, I was that was just so, you know, it was such a sliding doors moment as well because she third attempt, she just snuck over it. She almost blew through. She went up pole and it almost blew through on a bigger pole than she's ever sort of started on and well, you um, know you know that if she's get if she gets through that it's game yeah. over you, you know well, and so you would hate yeah. to see her no height on the best day of her life you know oh, <laughs> just know, because we weren't on the right and, pole and, or whatever and you know there is that that could have happened and there are that does happen to people and you just you know that's such a hard thing to take yeah. Uh, yeah. Brad Walker in 08. Brad Walker in 08 yeah. Olympics or whatever. You know, it's just, it doesn't, it's just, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Cause but, she um, was in such good anyway, form, you know. Things, things sort of swung our way this year. And then, and from there, momentum built as well. I think she started, then her confidence came up after that. And she, I think, had finally felt she belonged. So then she got that win in, in Monaco. 
you know, we came home, she came back, she'd been ill and we flew or she had like um, had gastro, you know, so she wasn't feeling well and then she came and she just, grind, you know, did a grindy comp in Lausanne not feeling well and still got second and I was really pumped with that. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I was playing it cool um, before Zurich going, yeah, I really hope she's you know, going to get on, the, you know, top three and all that. But yeah, to be honest, I really wanted her to win. I really thought that she should win. I felt like she, if she jumped as good as, you know, if they all jumped well, I felt that she was the best vaulter at the time. Right. Um, so, you know, but I didn't want to sort of get ahead of myself. But, yeah, really, right. that was an amazing that was an amazing result. That last one, that Diamond League final, just amazing. With, she's had a lot. She's had a lot to get through over the last few years. She's had some real, um, some real adversity. Um, so I, I'm just so pleased for her that it's that you know it's coming together for her because right. sometimes it seems like it's not going to. Will it? Will it ever work out for her? Yeah. You know, and yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just starting to. Hopefully, it's the start of. Um, a bit of a, a bit of a run. Isn't that the hardest thing to get an athlete to, uh, to, to feel like they belong, you know, feel like they belong with the best. And, yeah. and I am one of those guys, you know, or I am yeah, one of that, those girls, you know? Oh, well, and that, that was, uh, that was me to a T back in my career. I just, you know, so imposter syndrome, 7,000. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Right. Um, but, but, yeah, and and it's part of the it's the your career starts to build that for you as well as things go wrong and stuff. I mean, you might like I think Nina had a you know she probably had all the confidence in the world when she was seventeen, eighteen. And then she had a few things go wrong, a few injuries, sort of um, got schooled a few times, um, and then you start to believe you you know I don't know if I'm kind of person that you know got what it takes i'm not the same as those guys who seem to just be fine all the time right um so you got to sort of it's yeah the few you kind of you kind of going against the grain in a number yeah. of ways yeah you just don't you're just trying to be a part of the club and <laughs> well there are some people i mean i think i i think that there's some people who just naturally feel confident and feel that they belong and that always amazes me, you know, because I, you know, I used to look at people that seemed like they were like, you know, they were like the same as me, but they just looked like I was like we were on tour and they sort of felt like they were confident. And I'm like, how, how does that happen? Right, right. Yeah, you like know, Mondo I mean, is one of those people who just his confidence is just like, well, gosh, dang, man. And that's, like, that's one thing because he's, why would he not be confident, you know, right with Mondo, but, you know, say these are people who weren't, you know, Steve Hooker back in the day, we, when we were training together, I used to just, like, I remember I was, I'd jump six and he still only jumped about 575. But I, he was like, he just, you know, innately was uh, really confident in his ability. Mm. And I used to think, God, how does he, and, and it used to, essentially he would achieve things that he had no right to achieve at the time. Like he'd do like, he, you know, people over 70 or something and he did like in one day jump like 87 and I'm like I could never have done that because I wouldn't have even it wouldn't have even occurred to me yeah that that's right. possible but but and I think that might be the difference is in I often wonder you know like because the the Steve and I were really tightly matched I sort of went 
one way because I think I was just sitting there waiting, you know, waiting for it all to come crumbling down, you know, because I thought that's what, you know, essentially I was, when, when are people going to figure this out that I'm a fraud? Whereas Steve just, yeah, Steve just sort of had that champion um, mentality that, right. you know, I just might not have had. Yeah. Do you think that you having that mentality can benefit Nina and Kurt because you you can you know the traps you know the traps that you can get yourself yeah. into mentally you know well i don't think there's much i don't you know you you your past career your sort of stories that you know you go and tell them about how legendary you were back 15 years ago there's not much to learn from that you know right. really the, the best lessons you've got for your athletes are the things that you sh- did wrong and you know had cost you and you can sort of um you can use your failures as a as a as the best advice that you can hope that they don't make the same mistakes um and essentially I know that you know I think back now and I think I sort of did my own I did myself in a bit you know like I sort of like I, I, there was lots of issues going on. There was lots of drama going on, and I wasn't in a great space and stuff. And I had, you know, um, like I, had, you know, I was super jealous of Steve, and I was really bitter and twisted in the end. Um, yeah. But I think essentially, I just, um, you know, I just didn't. I, I think I probably was so scared of Steve because I just thought he was just so much better than me. When, you know, I. Just, I don't know why I sort of, uh, you know, it's super embarrassing because I was kind of, uh, uh, you know, I feel like oh, it was cowardly how I sort of handled things at the time. Oh. And um, I just wish I had have been a bit more gracious and a bit more um, able to sort of, able to sort of kind of like, you know, just just sort of accept what I was and, and be okay with that. Yeah. And just stay I'm, now, your... I'm really proud of my career. I'm really proud of my career now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you look back yeah. on it. Yeah. It's, yeah but it's hard absolutely. to stay in your lane. It's hard to stay in your lane and it's hard to not look at other people and, and things like that. And, and yeah. uh, I, I struggled with that all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just funny. You just always, this, just why it's, this person's got everything I want. Yeah. Okay. And that's just uh that's the dark arts. That know? is the dark arts. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, that, that's, that's that's never going to end well when you, you know. When you, <laughs> no, not even when you close. take your focus off yourself. When you start take your focus off yourself and start feeling just angry about what others are doing, and essentially setting like making your whole life about trying to beat someone else that yeah. you have no control over. Right, it's like you know, it's like when the guys say to me, you know, like I, I, I'm going to win. That's like, how do you know that? You why don't you just execute as best as you can and see, and make it hard for other people to beat you? Right, because you, you can't up. control what other people do. Mm-mm. You know, um, you can you can jump as well as you can and see if that's good enough. Absolutely. So you mm. and Steve. So did you and Steve get like get along whenever you're training together, or was it? Yeah, you know... I've talked to Steve about this. I've like come to because he's he's one of my best mates. 
Um, it's complex, but so at the time it was more him. I was in Perth, and I and then um, he wanted to move over, and I, you know, felt that that was going to ruin everything for me. But and you know, a few other people were sort of uh, gaslighting me a bit on that. Steve never did any. He was always honest with me up front. But I guess I was just my resentment turned towards Steve. My je- I was jealous of him and fearful of him. Mm. Um, but I was still we were still good mates. So I was keeping it. Don't worry. I was keeping. I was you know I was just being nasty behind his back. So that's okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a good person, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. no, but but I wasn't so much that. It was more internal. Um, and essentially, he was my best friend too. So like he was. Um, we really were brothers. But I just had resentment towards him that he, you know, he didn't. I've talked about it after. He's like, I never noticed. And I'm like, I just had to come clean. I had to come clean with you and tell you that I just had this, all this, there was so much um, of me that just was, wanted you to fail. Mm. You know, and I, you know, I just, it was a, it was a big process for me because I had a tough time retiring. But, um, yeah, I just um, essentially Steve did nothing wrong. Steve's always been a great bloke. I was just um, intimidated. This kid coming up behind me, who I essentially believed was had more talent than me, and and um, yeah, just uh, you know, just didn't handle it that well, and lost not lost focus on what I was doing, and essentially that was the beginning of the end. But um, yeah, I sort of. Um, I think there's reasons why I got to that stage as well when you're sort of like you're made to believe that you're, you know, only good because of one thing or whatever mm. and when that thing's going to be taken away from you, you go, well, if, I, if, 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 that's all, if, if I can only be good if the situation is like this, which I've been told, and you're changing the situation on me, you know, that, you know, laws of deduction, I can't do it. Right. Sort of thing. So you and I mean, obviously, you're not thinking that straight either. Um, you're pretty, you're pretty emotional about it. But um, yeah. So then I just didn't cope, and I felt sort of frustrated and angry, and felt like I just got um, like as soon as Steve came, I felt like you know, because I was a sort of pinup boy um for for the Institute of Sport. Then Steve came, and essentially, I just felt like I didn't matter anymore. Mm. You know, and um, that was really tough when I sort of stopped jumping, and I didn't really retire. I just sort of stopped and just stopped going to training. Sort of, I was sort of like waiting for them to call and ask where I was, and sort of no one did. You know, oh, <laughs> and that was, it was like, wow, I, I really, yeah, no one, no one's noticed. <laughs> what was, what year was that? Was that before two thousand nine? Essentially, was my last year. And what was your last year? Oh nine. Oh nine. Oh nine was your last year. Okay. Yeah. So when yeah. did Steve uh move over? Oh six. Oh six. And to be honest, we had some of the best times ever. We were traveling through Europe. I so it was, I loved him. I just I just felt like he was taking what was mine, which again, yeah. this is like uh it's pretty it's pretty hard to talk about because it doesn't I don't come across that well and I don't and I shouldn't because I was being um, a brat, really. Right. And um, it, no, I, you don't own anything. It's not yours. Right. And and the thing is, is, you know, 
if if he people just are to come honest, and train with me and have fun. Right, right. But if people are honest with themselves, I mean, I think that you're just somebody who's shooting it straight. Like this, who yeah, I am. To, this is who well, I am, and this is what I felt, and you know, that's that. You know. Well, yeah, and 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 I think um, I think I I can't really tell that story in a way that if I start telling that story as though I'm like um. I don't think it would come across genuine if I tried to sell myself in a good light, <laughs> you know, because essentially I don't think there is um, a sense. I just was being um, spoiled and felt like I had someone, you know, he was coming taking all my things off me mm. um, and I didn't handle it very well. There was other things going on, other things at play, but um yeah. And then, and then I just really was lost after that, which, it, you know, I, I ended up, um, just not knowing what to do after, after Paul after, after your after your career was done. Yeah, so that led to a you know dark five years of, of drug addiction and um, you know obviously all sorts of problems that come along with that. You know because I, I had a family and my parents and everyone and it just uh, so it was just um, you, you not that and I take it it's I I I made my choices. I do yeah. think some of the, some of the, I, I hope I don't sort of leave athletes feeling like I did. Is yeah. I, I don't think, I think I was there was, um, there was a lot that happened that led to me feeling pretty, like, low self worth, um, and all that sort of thing, that sort of. But then I, at the end of the day, I still made my choices, and 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 to get clean in the end was because essentially you know, the whole time I was angry and blaming and this is their fault and I'm they led me to this. And to get clean essentially I had to do the same thing and just go, you know, this is um I gotta just accept that this was my choice. I've made these choices and it's gonna be my choice to get out of it. Wow. Um but just hearing that podcast you did with Steve the other day, I was just think, listening to him talking about, you know, his run-throughs and all that sort of stuff and thinking that was his addiction. That was like me, you know, like, and, and as he said, when you hit rock bottom and then you lose your, you've got to lose your ego and just go, you know what, all right, back to square one and now you can fight. So, like, it's your ego that's getting in the way and, and just refusing to look inwardly. Mm. Um, but essentially that's the same way. I think so many of these things, so many mental battles and all that sort of stuff, are, you know, are really closely aligned addiction, you know, eating disorder stuff, um, a lot of mental health stuff. It's, it's really all coming from the same sort of place. Um, and there's so much similar stuff that's sort of, um, driving it. Right. Right. So do you, you know, think your yeah. maybe your identity was maybe a little too wrapped up in pole vaulting totally. or okay yeah totally i didn't i thought the, the thing was you get i was getting i used to get treated better than normal normal as well and i sort of i think you know and i i was earning reasonable money and stuff then you stop and you you sort of one week you're trying to be the best in the world at something and the next week you like you. My mum's telling me, "Oh, like I saw a, a job advertised to stack the shelves at the supermarket in nighttime, and and maybe you can go for that job." And I was just like, oh. "And I remember thinking, 
if how can I like if if my friends saw me or someone from school saw me stacking shelves after they think I'm this Olympian guy and all this sort of stuff, I would die of humiliation. Right. And now I think, how pathetic yeah. <laughs> is that? <laughs> like you know, I think you know what's I've got kids now. If I have to, I will freaking scrub toilets to yeah. put a roof over their head without any sort of shame. Right. You know, and um, so, yeah, essentially I was so, thought I was so far above that. Right. Yeah. That, so I, I, didn't, I, I didn't think I was arrogant at the time. I didn't think I was an arrogant athlete. I wasn't outwardly arrogant. But you yeah. get this sense of entitlement. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I struggled really hard. Mm. I mean, I was not at your level, you know, obviously, but the thing is, is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't Mm. matter what level you're at, because the thing is, is that I had 100% of who I was just built up since I was a little kid. I'm going to be an Olympian and I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. And then all of a sudden it didn't happen. And it's like, yeah, what do I do now? This is, this is not the plan. This is not how it was supposed to go. You know? Yeah. It does. It's, it's no different. The the scale doesn't matter. You know I mean? It's in, I talk about this. You can only feel so happy or so sad and everyone gets it the same. No matter what, like I, when I, you know, when you jump 555, is that your PB? Yeah. That that exhilaration you felt is is as exhilarating as when Mondo jumped six twenty one. Right. You know, so it, you can't get you can't just get you know sort of uh, like sixty six centimeters more thrill out of jumping that much higher. You, there's That's a, a cap point. on it, and then and everyone's life matters. You know, everyone's like to me. Um, I jumped six, but all I wanted to do was why can't I just be like Steve was jumping better than me at the mm. time, you know? And then people say to me, "What's it like to jump six? And I'm like, probably as frustrating as what whatever you're fr- whatever you're frustrated you're not jumping. I was the same. <laughs> Isn't that you know? hard though? So, so it's a never ending. It, it will never no, never end. Search for the truth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but but don't you reckon? Don't you reckon it's sort of um, like, and I actually find found coaching has really helped me because I'm back in that never ending search again, and mm. I think I need it. I think that's my drug. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I am just not. I think you know. Well, this have you heard that saying? You know, content people are losers. I'm not quite sure I want to go that far, <laughs> but but I don't. I don't. Um, I don't think I'll ever. Suffer that condition of contentness, you know, contentment. No, I, I, that, that just, I, I mean, it's, there's a lot of aholisms. There's workaholism, yeah. there's alcoholism, and mm. there's a lot of those aholisms. And, you know, yeah. that workaholism is really bad how's too. some of the ones, how's some of the ones like to, where, where people that, their addiction is to sort of punish themselves and make them feel bad. Like, say, like, my one was at least I would go and take drugs, which made me feel good. Right. You know, it was like, I don't understand the ones that sort of, I'm going to starve myself of anything good. I'm like, 
Yeah, I mean, and that becomes their their what they crave. But you know, I, I'm a glutton for I'm a glutton in general, really. So huh. you know, um, I uh, I think I was always seeking comfort in. I was trying to seek. I was trying to avoid discomfort. Right. Right. You know, yeah. I couldn't handle sitting there and being bored and being sort of like having to think about how my career was over and probably the best part of my sort of, you know, life was, was probably a, I, I, that was over. Right. I, I couldn't sit in that. Do you think that some of this was built when you were a kid in gymnastics? Yeah, maybe. I mean, again, I was so, it was like I was, a, I was a gymnast and I was super competitive with gymnastics and I, Always say I loved I loved sport as a kid. I'm I don't know if I loved sport or I was I loved being good at something, and it made me right. relevant somewhere, you know. And I also had trouble. I think I think I had ADD, ADHD at school, and no, it wasn't diagnosed because I I I knew that I wasn't dumb, but I was always kind of like just lost. I remember so many things happening at school and I'd just be like, why does everyone else know this? And I don't, you know, I remember one year we all got given these like folders, files at the start of the first day of class, like great year four. Yeah. Everyone got given these things and I'd go put them up that corner. I went and did it. You know, I was like sitting there and then just went through the whole year of school. And then the teacher goes, oh, can everyone just go back and get their folders and hand them in? And everyone stands up, walks back to that corner, grabs that file that we put there at the start of the year and brings and hands it in for like that's the whole year's work. And I was like, when the hell was everyone doing this? Oh my God. <laughs> that's terrible. I was just like, <laughs> what? I was like, I just, I'm, you just told us to put it at the back corner at the first day. I've never heard about it since. Uh, you know, like moments oh like God. that. And that's not a joke. But it, like, so then what happened to me is the easiest way to handle that was to be, to make fun of myself. Hmm. And be the funny guy or the clown, and then, but also, I could afford to do sport. Saved me, so it was like, oh, I'm the, I'm good at sport. I don't really have time to worry about school. But really, and I think back now, I think I, I that was all protection. I didn't want to, I didn't want to fail at school. I just that was became became the easiest way was I, I got I got um, sort of positive feedback from being the funny guy or whatever, and then that became easier. Sport was my protector and my backup. And then um, it just all got, you know, just all sort of, you know, I was never going to sort of um, sort of pull it back. I was just in, that was that was my path at that point. Right. But I still to this day struggle with something. I really take a long time to pick things up. Once I do, I'm good. And say with pole vault, pole vault makes me understand the world mm. because I love pole vault. Pole vault makes me understand science and physics, and you know, um, like I'll even, you know, like I can't, I can't grasp to certain topics until I relate it to pole vault. Wow. Um. So yeah, it's sort of funny, and I think that's just because I essentially, you know, gave my life to pole vault and felt I'd delved pretty hard into it and and have like a Bushman's version of all of it, I'll sort of self-taught 
physics, <laughs> whatever. Right, right. But it all makes sense to me. But it all makes sense to me, and I can't. Um, yeah, like I couldn't really. I, I still feel like I don't have anywhere else to um, apply my knowledge, and I would struggle. Um, because yeah, I still like even in meetings at work. Sometimes I'm just sitting there, just hoping no one asks me a question because I don't know what's going on. That's, I'm yeah, just chasing cars. I'm sitting there, just like they're talking in acronyms and stuff, and I'm like, I like I still don't know any of these things. After being there for like eight years, they've been always they sound familiar, right? But I just have to sit there and just try to just sort of nod and you know just look agreeable and thoughtful and deep. Right. <laughs> they don't ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's but, that's wild. Yeah, but but then I think there's some then just when I get to think about pole vault and stuff, that's when I just I just feel better. I feel um like I know what I'm doing. I feel like I can talk and you know converse with anyone about pole vault and know what I'm talking about. Like that's the only thing really, you know, everywhere else I feel like I'm like I'm going to be exposed here. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I'll i talk to anyone and, and, and push my views or, or have an argument with anyone because um, I'm pretty confident that, you know, first of all, I don't think I'm right. I think there's more than one way to do it. I think lots of people are right. But I just feel like uh, I, that's the one area where, that's where I don't feel nervous. That's where I don't feel anxiety. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, yeah. that's your thing. That's, that's, uh, yeah. that, you know, once you find that thing in your life that, you know, you're like, I am very competent at this. Yeah. I, I've got the opportunity to do this. And then it's like what, you know, people would call their purpose or whatever, you know, whatever that yeah. is. But that, yeah. uh, that, that's how I feel too is, is I, it's comfortable. It's, it's comfortable. It's like, when um, you put me in it, I can, I can talk and I can, I can understand. The opposite of homesickness. It's the opposite yeah. of homesickness. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You're at home. You're at home. Yeah. You know, and that feels good. But I tried a couple of jobs and stuff after. And I had a couple of times where I just turned around and walked out and just never went back before I even got there. I was just like, I, I don't know how I even go. And like, you know, it was like, I don't know. I would just, I was just, yeah, I don't know. I just sort of thought, how but before I got there, I'd be thinking, how long is it going to be to like just do that colossal? Yeah, and, right. <laughs> and it's like I am just this, this the 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 shame of the whole place, <laughs> you know. Well, and like, yeah, it's a good thing that you're where you're at now, right? Because yeah, you're doing yeah. something. You're doing something now. So is that your full time like employment? Yeah. That, yeah, okay. Thank God. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right. Otherwise, I'd just be licking stamps somewhere, I think. <laughs> no. Maybe. Oh, that yeah. wouldn't be a good job. Jeez. No. No. Yeah. I wouldn't be content. I wouldn't be content. Right. Right. So, for those <laughs> people who don't know, you grew up as like a competitive gymnast. So, this, this yeah. competitiveness kind of started early. When did you get into gymnastics because you weren't just like a run-of-the-mill gymnast you were elite level gymnast right 
Yeah. It's funny now, like, talking about it because I've obviously um, I've probably – I think I've put on a little – a few kilos, I think, okay. since, uh, since I was an athlete. But, like, to me, I think looking at me, I'm the – first of all, people don't believe I was a pole vaulter to start with. They're like, you look like a shot putter. But second of all, then when I say I was an elite gymnast, like, they're like, I don't think I don't exactly look like I'd be, you know, twinkle toes. Um <laughs> But um, yeah, I was really competitive with gymnastics, and again, I, but see, I, I was it was that was my identity, and I remember, you know, when I really came to terms with that, I, w- I was going to be too tall, and that sort of then I wanted to get out of it, but just feeling like, oh God, what am I going to be now? Because, um, you know, I was I was an elite, sort of uh, second second in Australia for. Uh, uh, the all-around gymnastics sort of thing for like under fourteen, and um, but you know that was a little different to pole vault because um, yeah, like I, I still I stopped because I was probably going to be too tall and it wasn't going to work out. But even when I was doing well, I had, like yeah, you, I don't know, I don't know how you could possibly enjoy being a gymnast and the training you have to do. It's like thirty lot. hours a week on top of school. I just remember I used to get to, you know, get to finish. Like you'd, you'd go to six, seven, 6.30 in the morning, you go to training till 8.30, get on a bus to school, to school, and then you'd have to go back and wait for the bus. And I remember that when you get sent to from school a bit early, like half an hour early to go catch the gymnastics bus, I'd be sitting there and I'd just want to cry, just going, oh, my God, I've got four hours of training now and then I've got to go home, go to sleep and wake up and do it again. You know, it was just so. I mean, there's something w- which I think though made me have like a work ethic as far as training. Because when I went to pole vault, I just thought this is the easiest training I've ever done. It's the best ever. <laughs> you know, right, right. Not, not that it was, not, but don't worry, that stopped soon when I did my first six times one fifty session. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, I'm not good on speed endurance. Yeah, I'm not a big, I don't know. I've been having, you know what, to be honest with you, this might get too technical. I don't do it anymore. (laughs) Well, yeah, I've been getting, this might get too technical and this is just an idea (laughs) I've been thinking about uh, a lot. And I don't know what you guys do like during the off season or whatever, but there's something that I've been bothered with lately. Mm -hmm. And it's, there's this thing that a lot of pole vaulters do and athletes do in the off season, let's just say pole vaulters though, is they run these really long mm-hmm. speed endurance workouts. Okay. So yeah. you, let's say you do that. Like in America, our, our off season is right now. So you were doing it in the fall. And then, so let's say you run 300 meter intervals. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you are vaulting in May. So, and, but you stop doing the three hundreds. So like, do you think that the 300 meter sprint endurance that you had in October is still with you, you know, in May, I I'm, well, I'm having a hard time understanding so, why we do it. So I did all that stuff as well. When I was an athlete, I do none of it now. Like I don't, I, but this is, I'm essentially just, it's like, to me, it's almost like when you find out Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> that's exactly, that's a great you know, analogy. It, it's like, to me, I'm like, because I started thinking about it and I'm like, so these 300s are the hardest things 
we do, right? They're just like I'll be throwing up and people will be throwing up. But also I'm not going that fast. Right. right. It's not it's not even speed endurance. Like I'm right. not getting I'm not running I'm running I'm running like fifty seconds for a three hundred. No, right. it's not but I my the coach used to say this is our training for and you know, we you go from there, you get gradually get lower, uh, you know, bring it down to two hundreds, then one fifties and this and that as you get closer to the season. But I started thinking like this is not making us faster. I'm like, no. so there might be a purpose. If you want to, so that, that's the hard thing to sell. It's like, so if you want to tell people that this is to say, do some cardio and drop some weight or something, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But don't try and tell me this is getting me faster. <laughs> no, it's a whole different stride and everything. About. That's one of the things I talk about is running the speed out of people. That's okay. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Cause I was yeah. thinking that I was crazy because I was like, well, I this has been done yeah. for a, this is like the age old way that you train is you start with the three hundreds in the fall well, or whatever. Is, and then you taper down, you know? Well, I also think to me, it's not, you don't even run with good form. Right. Like, it's a different it's stride. You're not running like a sprinter. You're not running like a, so to me, I just, at some point just started thinking I only run, look, it's, I run as they run as far as they can, running like they would run on the runway. Right. If they're if they're going so like like and to me probably it's about only it's only like I'm with Curtis I probably go max like even like eighties one twenties maybe. Not I even, know. You know. I always say and like a hundred me, meters is is about where I go. Doing one twenties, the last. 30 meters he's starting to fall out the back and stuff anyway i'm like well what? actually i'd rather stop him where he's and keep him just do reps more right. reps at that that good quality then um then let him just sort of fall out the back and and fail you know to me i don't know but 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 i also um uh, yeah, so to me, I just basically want them to either every contact, every drill they do, and they warm up. I just don't want them to jog. I just say you either every, every drill you do has to be a fast contact, like a sharp contact. Even a walking drill is kind of like they'll do an, a walking a drill and they'll just hit the ground hard. I don't want them to be sloppy on the ground. Mm. So Nina's like that. Nina can't jog. <laughs> she she's such a mongrel. She. You know, that's the hard thing is she's sort of is getting her to calm down and it's so violent with how she does things. She's so violent on the ground when she does drills and stuff, which is great. But, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but, yeah, I sort of, um, yeah, I just sort of am done with all that. I'm like, I just feel, feel like I maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't had anyone, and maybe I'm just too stupid to understand, but I haven't had anyone give me a convincing argument I know. as to why. You know, it's all like they're all just, you know, random words. People just start spitting words back at me that don't mean anything. And it sounds to me like they don't know what they're talking about <laughs> and they're just yeah. trying to come up with something. I think you know, you, so, you nailed it. You nailed it. The only, yeah. the only like yeah, explanation, there there, the only explanation that, that I can think of is you come to training camp 15 pounds overweight. 
you know, or, or something like that. And it's like, oh man, well, we've got to dig you out of this hole. But if you come in like five pounds out of overweight or, or whatever, like, and you are maybe a little bit out of shape, I, I really don't see that. Cause I, I don't see how we're going to, how those are going to affect how you're pole vaulting at the world championships in August or Ju- July, you know? Well, the worst thing is when it's presented you, to you as this is training to get you faster and you just go on and you kind of like, and then you, you know, when you, I, I, I try and coach you, I can't explain it, then I'm not going to make them do it. Mm. You know, because, because, um, you know, I hated that when you'd sort of say, well, why are we doing this? And they'd go, just trust me, you, you, you know, you need to just, it's you, not your job to worry about that. It's, it's my job. <laughs> And I'm like, that sounds like something I'd say if I was just <laughs> right, right. Or, or what? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I think what it is is if you ask somebody that question, you say, "Hey, why do we run 300s in the fall?" And they really thought about it, they'd be like, "Well, that's just what I did. That's what I did when I was a kid." <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> dog, dogmas, dogmas a funny thing, huh? Because it's like, imagine believing something your whole life and then having to admit that that whole time you were doing it for no reason. That'd be hard yeah. to come to terms with. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta lose the ego on that one. You gotta, well, you gotta just go like that's. It. You don't want to think that that was the case. Like you're thinking that I did. A, I went through a lot of pain. Right. I don't want that to have been for nothing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I. I don't know. So that that was just. A I think thought. it's getting more like that though. I think, um, Jake. I think more and more people are, are going down the path we're talking about. I think that that's getting. It is sort of slowly becoming like an old-fashioned way of training. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I still think there's a huge amount of people that do it. But I tell you, like, to me, most of the guys I talk to, the coaches that are coaching, you know, on at the, that I'm dealing with at the moment, um, most of them are on the same page as you and yeah. me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there are people out there that do it. And if it, I mean, a good example, uh, you know, I love Sam Kendricks and really awesome dude, but we always ask a question at the end of this podcast, uh, you know, the top three exercises that you would do if you could only do those exercises for the rest of your life. One of his was 400, 400 repeats. That dude's well, do doing you know, 400 Sam, repeats. Sam, the thing you say, Sam Kendricks, he has just, to me, it's like he's made a square wheel work better than a normal wheel for somehow. I know. <laughs> it's like I'm, I, I don't, I don't understand. Like he just seems to, like I've never someone that's. It's amazing, by the way, but someone that Incredible. can jump five eighty so easily, so often in training, and then just to me have such a, a sort of different different style and the way he jumps within comps is phenomenal the way he he'll blow through and not go up he'll bring his grip narrower in the you know and all these weird things which is again just open my eyes to different options so that's a great thing but but to me some people break the rules um and i think i think sometimes it's people that just you know say I think Sam has the speed he's got. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like he can train however he wants. As long as he vaults twice a week, he'll jump 580s, 590s. Yeah. And yeah. I reckon, say me, I really had to be, I had to get my training right to jump well. And if I lost strength and stuff, I would lose power pretty quick. 
Whereas someone like Steve Hooker, I feel like he had strength and speed reserves that, again, he could he could sort of miss big chunks of training and still just like to, like, I don't know, he, he, I think he was telling the story about when he jumped 601 in New York and, and six, nearly 614. This yeah. was, that was soul crushing. That was not soul crushing. It was amazing. Nearly right. 616, right? But, you know, he, I'd been with him. He had barely trained since the Olympics. Like, that was start of 2009. And he couldn't jump. His knee was stuffed. And I thought he was just going there for the money. And right. he gets there. And two days before, he's, he's gone, I can't see myself being able to. I'm going to have to pull out. His knee was that. And he just hadn't jumped for six weeks or something and comes and just bombs 601 and then just has the best attempts at world record that I've ever seen. Like, so good. And I just thought, what? that doesn't even, like. He's just got it. He's got it. You know, like, yeah. And that's like for Sam, I don't want it to be misconstrued because I think that at the end of the day, it's got to be whatever works for you, you know, and he, he believes in what works for him and, and he, you know, he's got it down and he could probably take a hundred jumps in a, in a competition. (laughs) He's, he's in really good condition. Well, I think he's, that's one of the things is he's trained and he's in great shape. Mm. So He's in great physical shape, so that's it. I think he's what what where the probably uh, important bit is lies in vault sessions for him. The rest of it is he could probably train it a bunch of different ways, and as long as he stayed in shape, still be fine. Yeah. Sometimes it's sometimes I think there's there's less. It's like you can you really not having that as big an impact as you might think you are. <laughs> right, right. You know, like, you know, people can do it all sorts of different ways and you might think, oh, I, I did this, you know, and it really worked. How do you know it was that, you know? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, That's a good question. I think that a coach, uh, I think a coach more than anything is the guardian of an athlete's mind. I yeah. think that, yeah. that oh. that's what they that's the Management. biggest impact, you know, is managing their mind managing and, and their stuff. Yeah, right. Trying right. not to get them injured because athletes aren't good judges of themselves. Mm. They won't make good decisions. One hundred percent. You know, Absolutely. so you need to be there to try and do that. And essentially, you know, technical I think technical is the bare minimum as a coach. Right. But then I really think it's it's low. There's there's plenty of different ways to do it, but if you can get the loads balanced right you know you you you're most of the way there with with physical stuff but then you know again you've got to find a way to unlock their confidence in themselves as well um as you say like like the Steve the Steve Hooker thing was amazing because he was I I still think even when he was running through he's he's got one of the strongest minds ever as in he could ruin him. His mind could ruin him, or it could it right. could win him Olympic gold medal. Depends yeah. on how it was working. 
he was very polarized it seemed like because he said he went through that like three year stint when he was younger mm. of running through so that's like one end of the spectrum like he's he's completely just torn up and then on yep. the other side of the spectrum he can have a torn adductor and then yeah uh yeah. and come in at 85 or whatever he did and win the world championships you know but he couldn't for a while he couldn't take off off like one step or two steps you know that's crazy I, i've never so that's insanity yeah isn't it so to me that was crazy but then um also just this you know i know that that i was there when he nearly he had that good crack at world record and then you know, I remember him going down that path, thinking the pollinators would be in the right corner of the box. And I know he still I, I, I still argue with him about this. I call bullshit. I think that has no. I'm like, I don't. I just think. Do you know what would have got him the world record if he had just kept doing what he was doing and he had a, a bit of luck go his way? I um, yeah I I I think so too I I think you yeah. would agree with that too Have you talked I I forget I think, about no, on our well, podcast I think he's he's he says I don't think anyone concentrates on it but he said I still think he's that if you plant in the right side it opens up the and allows the pole to bend more arm I am I've checked everyone who plants the pole ends up in the same place. <laughs> wherever they plant <laughs> yeah, right yeah i mean i i don't know yeah. i don't know it's it's an interesting whenever he brought that up on our podcast i was like yeah that is I was interesting and i wanted to i wanted to i wanted to um i wanted to call in <laughs> that's what we gotta do we gotta get a phone number yeah. we gotta get a phone number to call in so you you've been talking about balancing the load of training your athletes. Um, so whenever you're writing workouts for Nina and Kurt, are are those different workouts or are they mm. somewhat the same? Yeah, yeah, generally different because they've probably got different. Yeah, different. They've got to work on a lot. Generally, the week, the structure of the week, will be fairly similar. Mm. Their vault days will be the same and their gym days will be the same and stuff like that. But Nina, I actually do probably a lot less than you might think with training. I, do, I really just – and I, I've cut it. I also have stopped um, – one thing I've stopped doing is fluff in sessions. You know, there's you I can spend it. hours doing stuff that doesn't – I'm just like, I don't think this – do you really think this is doing anything except making you tired? You that's know? So that's so, so like, funny. That's exactly the podcast I just did with my brother. Yeah. That was exactly what we did this year. That's yeah. what we did this year was I said yeah. all this other stuff is BS, man. Like this is this is all this is doing is wasting energy and we yeah. call them we call them needle movers. Is it going to move the needle? Cuz if it's not going to move the needle, get it out of here. We don't well, want it. It's funny because people are like, you got to do all, it's all about the 1%. And like, you guys are completely lost where you are because you, it's just, all the one percenters are ridiculous if you don't get a return on them. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, like you're doing, you're doing like as well, like just say someone like Nina, I've just like, she, we do gymnastics and stuff. And I've just, she comes and she's, the stuff we do is so, beneath her i just in the end i just said you know you don't need to come yeah like 
it's your gymnastic level is so far enough. Yeah, you know. I, yeah, it's crazy. I, I'm reading this book. There's I actually I wanted to hop back really quick. So you you were talking about uh, Steve Hooker, um, and how he had that huge break, right? And then mm. came and jumped really well in the states. Is that oh, that's yeah, correct? Yeah. That's correct, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and so a this, series of comps that were amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember the run. It was it was really crazy. So. I'm reading this book called Body by Science by Doug McGuff. I don't know if you ever read it. Um, it's a really interesting book. It, it, you, mm. you and I, I tell think me some I, books. Give me some book recommendations. Actually. I, I will. I'll send this one over. It's interesting. I don't know if it directly applies to um, elite pole vaulters, but anyway. So yeah, there's sure a there's a statistic in there that says, I don't know, I forget what the per- statistic is, but it's a high percentage of world records that have been set in the sprints have come off of, directly injured. off of, an injured athlete layoff. Fresh. Isn't that crazy? Well, yeah, that's, that is that is crazy, yeah. Like, I think that's it's amazing. like 80% no, it's percent probably or not something. that crazy, you know, but... It's, it's probably well. You know, I think yeah. Sometimes we train because we think we should train. It's like I have just tried to stop doing that. I'm just like, well, Emma, what? Why do we have to train twice a day? So like, I've gone. I don't want to do twice a day. I want to, we'll train. We'll do all of, every training we that we need to do for the day in the morning, and then then they can have the whole day to themselves. Yeah. And then also, like to me, that helps mental mentally like they can also organize organize their lives better mm-hmm. they don't get a sick of training but you know um and yeah training's not such a burden it's it's like it's not a burden on their, it's not costing them that much um but also i just think i remember I used to do double sessions i used to go to training in the morning come back for that second session and felt like it's so hard to warm up again mm-hmm. and you've also got to spend another hour warming up right um but yeah, I just, I just am now getting as, yeah, just come in blitzkrieg sort of like attack on the training you need to do and just no more, and um, and it's been working generally. I mean, you just I used to train so much more and harder, and I think it was almost just the harder you train, the better you are, and like or it was like a it was like a pissing contest almost, right. It's like just yeah. yeah. Don't you wish you would have known all this whenever you were a vaulter? Yeah, I always I, I think it's funny though, because yeah, it's like I, I I'd say if I if I knew I knew all this, I probably would have jumped at least seven, eight meters. <laughs> like because <laughs> that's the thing, at the end of the day, you know, because I think I, I think now back when I think I know so much more now, I also think things for a period of time must have come together so perfectly for me you know to to kind of it all just came together for a while so and i don't know what it was exactly it was everything right right you know it's in you can't it's not one thing that that you changed it's everything's humming everything's firing on all cylinders so to jump six meters and at the time it felt easy and i thought oh i'll just do that every time now right you know, because when t- it, it, it took so much going right for that to feel easy, right? Um, but 
yeah, so I'm, I, I think I, I'm reluctant to say that if I knew what I knew now that I might have uh, gone better because I feel like I had – I there's a lot of guys I felt like were physically more talented than me that didn't jump six. That's 100% so I feel like I true. Yeah. There's a lot of really good pole mm. vaulters out there that did not jump six yep. meters. So let's go to that 2005 yeah. season. Um, mm-hmm. so kind of take us through that and how that all shook out. Okay. So I reckon it started in 2004 mm. and in the lead up to basically, um, in Europe, in the last few comps in the lead up to Olympics, I had met Tim Mack in 2002 and we'd hit it off like crazy. And um, hadn't seen him since, but then we just bumped into each other. We were in Stockholm before Olympics and we were jumping and travelling together. And um, Tim and Tim is one of the, the, the funniest guys. I thought like, he should be a comedian. When he, You know, he's so funny. He's just like a – he was just – I felt like he was just like me as well, like putting, like always imposter syndrome going like, what, how come – like what are all these guys doing? What are we supposed to be doing? You know, like we were like, why does everyone seem to know what they're doing? <laughs> um, and he was just this goofy dude who him and I would just sit there just trying to make each other laugh and then he started dominating Yeah, and I was like rooming with him all the time and then he won, you know, that Olympics when he won was incredible and I was just there with him all the time and we hung out and then we did the comps after the Olympics and I just thought he just, he just made me think and this is not to discredit his talent or anything I just thought it's not so much about that it's more so he's just a guy like me. If he can do it, why can't I? Because we used to look at Tarasov and all that. They were like, we can't be like them. You know, Bubka, Bubka was so sort of far off. We weren't really – we didn't talk to Bubka or anything. You couldn't right. talk. It was like we were we were so separated. Right. But, um, yeah, to me, I just really um, – it was inspired by that. And he was so, he was just so confidence building to me as well. Just going, dude, you know, you're going to jump high. I've been waiting for you to jump high sort of thing. But then I came back and I just decided, okay, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to really, I'm going to stop drinking piss. I'm going to, you know, get my act together. I'm going to really, I really want to go up a level. And I thought I might have to change a few things and it might be that doesn't happen next year. It might be the year after or so. So it was like I just let go of needing to jump high now and I just was training. It felt normal. I knew I was sort of in good shape and it just all of a sudden just started jumping really well in training but still didn't know what that meant off short runs and um, do some takeoffs and I kept doing run-up, uh, just run-ups on the side and I like I kept having to move my run-up back and I felt like I was like jogging and I moved, had to move back like two metres further than normal and then did like say my first takeoff on the same pole I would normally do my first takeoff on, and it felt like I'd taken the wrong pole. I thought I'm not, like I must have taken like a four sixty pole or something. Right. You know, it just like flew through. But I felt the same. Right. Um. But then anyway, so I just I just really I was a lot leaner, sharper, um, and you know pretty focused and then I had one session 580 was my lifetime goal that was all I wanted to do was jump 580 I jumped 577 at this point and I did a session where I was just I jumped 70 I think in training which was already a PB for training 
and I kept going up poles and I got to this pole 12.0 and I was trying to jump and the, trying to jump it and I did like three or four sort of half goes and then I just finally went bang and cleared this bar and Alex had put it at 580. I no didn't know and, and I just pumped it. And so that day, I still remember that day is I feel like the day that things changed for me, you know. So, wow. so you know, like first or second comp, I think my PB was 77 and I jumped 90, I jumped 81 and 91 on the same day. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then like a couple of weeks later, I jumped 95 and a couple of weeks later, I jumped six before I even had a chance to think about. It. So six was, I'd never even put myself in that. I'd never even let myself think. Uh, what would it be like to jump six? Because it just, it, it just was so far away. It was right science fiction. It was trick photography for me. <laughs> but um, then it just kind of like I think I was so hung up on five eighty that I got five ninety on the same day. Didn't even yeah have to have to have a chance to think about ninety. Um, and that that's that's one of those points, and you know. I feel like for a period of 2005, 2006, where I did have that confidence, where I just, I think most of the time I was like, you know, waiting for waiting to be exposed or waiting for things to come crumbling down. But I remember in 2005 and 2006, just for that period of time, I thought I can, it doesn't matter what people jump, I'll jump that plus a bit more. I would just jump whatever I knew I could jump whatever what it took. You know, is that is right. that's how it felt. Maybe 2005 I felt like that. And then I got injured before World Champs, which is fine. But 2006 that year was great. It was it wasn't so much that I knew I could jump high. I knew that was where Steve, Brad, and myself knew that it was just well, we're going to come top three. Which order is it going to be? Right. And that was right. great. We had a, an, it was such an amazing season, you know. So like, I won Rome. Um, Steve got second, you know. Um, Brad won Zurich. Steve and I came equal second. Um, wow. Steve won Berlin. I got second, you know. Um, and then I won the World Athletics Final, and it was like just like it was just it was just so. And we were also just having a ball. We were all hanging out and driving across driving across the continent and. You know, singing songs at the top of our lungs, and you know, yeah, it was just it was just a really really fun time. But yeah, that that was that was. I really feel like say the difference between say me and the and the greats is probably longevity. Mm. You Did know, you I, have I felt injuries like that or, or... yeah, yeah. I think I think. Do you know what I think? I had avoidable injuries. I remember, and this is this is to do with probably Steve, and you can see the difference in the lead-up to Olympics. We both had some little niggles coming going to Olympics. I would be training with Steve and see the numbers he was doing, you know, and that just like, that would just crush me. Like, you know, he was so fast. Like, so I'd do yeah. the craziest running session of my life and times, and then Steve would come and do it just straight after me, and, the time, and I was just like, what am I yeah. doing? You know? So then I remember my Achilles starting to feel sore. And people going, oh, you should take some time off. And I was going, well, no, that's not an option because Steve's not taking the week off, so I can't take the week off. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So, and it was, it's, it's it's ridiculous, but you're not of sound mind when you're in that stage. 
Yeah. Um, but anyway, so then even then Steve did the opposite. He got a pretty serious back injury for a while, and he was like, he went back to. I don't remember looking at him in the weight room. He was doing like deadlifts with like a stick. Right. And we were like training towards Olympics. And I'm like, how can you be seriously thinking this is worth doing anything? Right. Like I'll, if someone told me to lift with a stick that much far out <laughs> from the Olympics, I'll be like, okay, guy, right. lunch is over. Go sit by the window. <laughs> you know? Like, but he just, he just went patient. And so mm. he did that. But then like, so that was a few, you know, maybe two, two and a half months out from Olympics, but because he did the right thing, he progressed so quick. Mm. And that's the same sort of thing I talk about with 2005 for me is I had planned on almost sacrificing that year by going back and doing it slow, but sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. Yeah, and, um, isn't that the hardest thing though? Is whenever you start to feel that twinge, and then you realize that ugh. it's actually uh, uh, something legitimate, like a legitimate injury, and then you just—that's the hardest it. thing—is you, no, you refuse. I'm not, I'm not you, it. but you have to start over. You got to start over. You and then the sooner you can realize yeah. that, then the sooner you can start healing. You know, and I mean. Look, I, I think when I'm, I'm, no one can catastrophize like me. I'll put that up against anybody, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so, to me, I'm just automatically going from my Achilles is a bit sore to, well, if I let this happen, then I'm, I'm not gonna do well at the Olympics, and then my sponsors will drop me, and then I'll, um, waste will drop me, and everyone will hate me, and then I'll be homeless, and I'll be living on the streets. You know, somehow I'd get like way. It's like right, like I couldn't just go. All right, let's see how this pans out and see how it feels tomorrow. Yeah, I was yeah. You just, just start spiraling. I was just, I was just curling the ball with my sucking my thumb. You uh, know, that's the worst feeling. Is whenever that yeah. head starts to just turn. Hey, you know, when you you know spiral. it too, and you're going, "Oh no, I've done it. I've gone, <laughs> and there's no going back now." In for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And then it starts going, well, and then it you just can't stop it. You, it's hard to well, reel that thing back in. Well, as a coach, though, so to me, what I've had to do, so because that, that's hard too. So I've just, and I thought, you know, this I, I can't do that to the athletes. I can't right. be curled in a ball when I'm stressed about if if they see me like that. How are they going to be or whatever? But so, you know, I have a theory now. And this is how I was for those two years. Somehow, I had two years where it's like my fucking brain took a break on me for a while and didn't just, didn't, I just stopped trying to ruin myself for those mm. two years. But it was like, I, those moments where it was you going to catastrophize, I remember getting it and just nipping it in the bud almost like out loud, just like I could feel it going like that and I'd start just panicking and I'd go, no, not going to do it, okay, not going to do it. Right, right. And I just, it was that much of a choice and that's what I do now Yeah. as a coach because the problem is the, for me anyway, and this is because I'm probably mentally ill, is that I want to go down that other path because I want to wallow in that um that feeling that's the that's what initially feels good 
Yeah, it's very weird, isn't it? That that but, does so, but, in that but, moment but it, it feels do- good. But it doesn't but it doesn't feel good for long. <laughs> no, because then um, you start so, tanking. So yeah, to me, if I'm able to just go, nah, not gonna do that. Usually, even like a minute or so later, I think I can now think to myself, God, you know, had I just gone that different direction, I can't believe that I was almost going to like ruin my whole week. Right. You know, when like two minutes later, I've already come back to reality and realized it's nowhere near that bad. Right. Just by making that choice early. But it's, I I mean, it's just such an, it's like, it's like saying, make the best make the smartest choice when you're in the worst sort of like most stressful state so it's hard to say to people it's hard to do um but you know i do think for me being a coach and having others like it's easier when someone else's um careers on the line is that i'm i'm more willing to sabotage my own career than i am someone else's so it, I, i'm able to kind of just hold myself together you know right because you know where that leads you know where that's gonna go if you let it if you let it well well yeah there's something about like this the self-sabotage is one thing but you know sabotaging others is that seems um that seems like you're allowed to be cruel to yourself but you shouldn't be but you know you you sort of you can um but yeah, to, to be sort of cruel, and you know you're gonna. That's not. That's not gonna. You're not gonna be feeling good if you if you let that. You're gonna live with that. Yeah. And just go because that's 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 you're messing with them. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I I uh, I use a, a meditation app every day. It's uh, Sam mm. Harris. I don't know if you know the name Sam Harris, but uh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. So Sam Sam Harris is uh waking up meditation app. I yeah, use that every up. day yep. and and yeah. and he just talks about how you know you, you learn how to you know see the thought and and recognize the thought and then and then it teaches you how quickly it it can just disappear. That the thought hormone, comes the in hormone effect the hormone effect is actually only a 30 second thing. Yeah. It I know. Was like, and you like recognize where is it? Is it in my tummy that I feel it? And just listen to it, let it feel, and then let it dissipate. Yeah, that's what I I, I refer to that all the time. But I was going to say I um similar to you, I plan on meditating to Sam Harris every day. Yeah, <laughs> you plan on it. Actually, yeah. in all in, uh... no, I've got to get. I, I do I do want to get into it, and he's he's the guy that sort of he when he explains things, it really does click with me. Yeah, in that's really, really anyway, good. Anyway, the, the um, you know, he talked about one thing where he's like, you know, you kind of just uh, uh, this is one thing I had where something went wrong at work, and my initial thought I was just like, I'm going to go to the pub, and you know, and like I was just like wanting to be reckless or something, you know, and then I somehow and there's something Sam Harris sort of talks about, but I was like, okay, like what could happen is like. I might think, oh, I didn't get the pay rise or something at work, and that's just devastating. But then, if I went to the pub, had a couple of drinks, drove, and knocked someone off their bike or something, got pulled over by the police, blew over the limit, how much would be thinking? I wish I could just go back to just not getting a promotion. Exactly, that's a good way of looking at it. How good would that be? You know, you think how good, how how lucky would you feel? 
sometimes right. when when you know you if you if you manage things i often with you know particularly my family sometimes like my like my parents and stuff when they want to try and tell me things will be okay and i'm like you know i want to you know i'm like how do you know and I, i'll sort of argue back and this and that and then they'll say something and it's it's not till i say something too mean that I just go, what? How ridiculous! It's not even a problem. It's right. like I need to make, I need to do something that's just, just going to embarrass me. Yeah, you need yeah. that embarrassment to realize how petty you're being. It's really, really <laughs> wild. And I think the moral of that story is just to when if you're a pole vaulter and those you know those thoughts or a coach and those thoughts come in like they literally can dissipate if you just give it a little bit of time it's not even a lot of time and you you were saying like 30 <laughs> seconds or a minute yeah yeah and it's gone I and mean, then you, you avoid the, that whole thing well you see guys who can do it and who can't you can see the difference in in some of those guys i still see guys that i can see them snowballing mm. You know, and I'm like, oh no, they're like that now. They're stuffed. Yeah. But right. I see other people, and and I would give this, you know, Kurt Curtis, who I coach. He he's he's amazing at separating himself from something like that. Like he can sort of just switch off, switch over here, and just compartmentalize it and just move on. Because he's like, yeah. it's funny. He says really weird things that I don't know whether it's healthy or not. But he's talking about one of our. Guys, he stopped jumping Angus Armstrong, and because he and he said to Kurt, like, my heart's just not, not in it. And Kurt, he goes, Kurt, Angus rang me and said his heart's not in it. And I said to him, <laughs> you don't jump with your heart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know it, it was just like the difference in, you know, there yeah. and those two characters was you know, that was really like a symbol of the the two of them as well because. Yeah, Kurt, he's just sort of pretty straightforward and just doesn't want to think too heavily about that sort of stuff. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just funny how you see some people, and this is Mondo, I mean, it's I guess it's easy when you're that good, but to have confidence and to have calmness. But, uh, you know, you watch him compete. And this is what I've been watching. You know, he does n- nothing. He just get he does his warm up. He goes and sits down. He doesn't even seem to do a warm up run through or something before his jump. He just sits down, waits till it's his turn, takes his tracksuit off, walks up, picks up his pole, and jumps. And I'm like, that is a clinic in low anxiety. I know. <laughs> It's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. That was the one thing I saw. I watched him jump 621 at the world championships. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that I took away from that world championships with Mondo was his warm up in the prelim. It was literally, he just, uh, he just like grabbed his 520 stick, head back to the end of the runway, hit it, just like flopped over the bar. It wasn't even a good jump. And then just threw it back in the bag, and then that was it. I was uh, like, he's not going to take uh, any more. How beautiful are watching some of his low bars? Oh, like yeah, you know, like watching some of the, like that's to me some of the best stuff to watch. Like watching him just pipe five eighty or something. <laughs> but you know, like it's just so funny, like to to watch something like that because it's like I said to him, I, I said to him, you are ruining my freaking legacy, dude. You know, like 
you can't be jumping six metres, like, you know, all casual. He you know, just like no sort problem. of letting your arms like kind of relax over the bar and stuff. Uh, you know, it's just amazing. I think he said, I think, uh, I think, I don't know who put it up. Was it World Athletics or something? Um, yeah. it, think, yeah, they yeah, put up so. like 22, 22 times this year over, over six, over six. But that was the other thing. Watch the, some of this, the, the world records are awesome. And 621 to me was the best one. Like, you know, that was the most pure was so jump cool. I've ever seen. But, just say like watching the six the six meter progression heights on all those um, comps is just to me I just can't it just can't be real. Mm. You know, no. it's just so it's poetry. It's amazing. It's somebody. It's the best that has ever lived uh, by a long by a long shot. It, I think it, it's you know. changed. It's changed Paul because you know what. Pole vault's still happening normally underneath Mondo, right? right. Like Chris exactly. Nielsen, let's not let's not make no mistake. Chris Nielsen is one of the great pole vaulters of all time. Absolutely, you know he's an amazing vaulter. But like, say under Mondo, it's sort of normal. As in, what? When could you ever really predict that one person's going to? How could you be ever be that sure that one person's going to win pole vault? It's like golf. You know, I when know. Tiger was at his best. He still wasn't winning every tournament. No. But like, and that's how I sort of, maybe Pobalt's not quite like that, but but it's a bit like that. Like, you know, normally you don't know who's going to win a championship. There's like some be, sort of thought. Like the thing yeah, is, you'd be is like, Mondo has these... to, he has to mess up really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, beyond, I, beyond bad. You and, know? But Bubka wasn't like that. Bubka would lose sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So Mondo seems to be one a year at the moment. That's his one a year. He sort of did. He, um, did he lose last one last year? Last year in Lausanne, he jumped sixty, and then again, same sort of thing. Like he was jumping, he was jumping, still jumping way higher than everyone else. It's just like messed up the stands, or it's like some people like you can just be standing there, and sometimes you can just trip over for no reason. Mm. That's what that's what he's done, I reckon. Right. <laughs> basically, yeah. it's like he's just dropped the. He's just dropped the pole. He's just let go of let go of let go of the pole while he's at the wrong time or something. You know, he's just yeah, yeah, done something silly. I just think that but, he vaults like he's like a little kid, but he's on knob in a five twenty. Yeah, you know, like well, it just looks that easy. And it's I, I sort of find it. Um, and you know, some people try and talk about, oh, it's amazing he does that with with the technique he's got. I don't understand that argument at all. I actually think he's got the most pure technique going yeah. on. You know, I've talked to Greg about it quite a lot, and I think we really get a lot. Like, uh, I I think we have the same sort of uh, thought and theories and stuff, but um or we click we kind of like you know agree with each other but he said it really well he said i don't even think of it as technique mm. i think of i think of it as like a chain of energy that you're trying to harness yeah absolutely and mondo does it better mondo does exactly that it's like he's just holding the energy in the tube you know and he's keeping yep. it as tight as possible and letting it come through him it's you know, amazing um, yeah 
and and it doesn't matter. You don't need it's a straight trail leg or you know high knee drop, all that stuff. That's neither here nor there. You know when you're just thinking about um, what's the best way for each athlete to um, store energy in the pole and right. essentially have it go through them at the end. Yeah. You know, there's just so much leakage with everyone else. And it helps to be able to run over 10 meters per second too. <laughs> well, that's true. But also, also you see, we've had fast guys before, but who, who has, right, been, who has been as fast as him? Well, that has been an elite, elite vaulter. I, I don't well, know. Say, I, I'm say not on the runway, not on the runway because like I said, but Russ Buller was. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, he, it's about putting it together on the runway, but Mondo, he, he, he looks like he's tempo running on the right. runway. He doesn't look like he's he's not he's not going into the red zone. <laughs> no, not even close. He's chilling. He is chilling. Yeah, he's just runway. he looks like he's got another gear going. But also, you watch him; he looks loose and relaxed. But I reckon you watch him from front and stuff. There's just so little. There's no unnecessary movement. He just right. is so still. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you see the. The you know we've all got different quirks and 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 stuff, but he's just so efficient, so yeah. efficient. Yeah. And then n- no one like he's got better feel, and I I don't know that it's because he was jumping since he was a kid. I think he might have genetic um you know coordination that's like look he's good at everything. He's, he's got, got good golf, genetics. Good at, I mean, his mom and yeah, dad were, weren't too bad of athletes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. And his feel is just amazing at whatever he does. So I don't think – I think even if he started later, he would have been – Oh, yeah. I, I think that that <laughs> whole jumping when you're five years old, I, I think that's both. Well, I mean, it's cool that he did he it, but I, I don't yeah, think it made it, a difference. It wasn't – he wasn't – it's not – you know, people talk about specializing. That's not what it was. He was right. just – his dad was at work. He was just going outside, picking up the poles that were there and playing for three hours by himself in bare feet. Right. Right, you exactly. Know, he wasn't he wasn't doing drills, no. And then he'd go, and this then he'd go and not vault for a while. He'd go and play baseball for he'd been to baseball for a while or whatever. So it wasn't. I think you know the way Greg and um, Helena have done it has been awesome because they've they've supported him, but they've they've not pushed him, you know, because it's a really interesting vibe. Because I find usually, like. Uh, parents coaching their kids and I have kids now and I'm I don't think I want to do it based on most of the relationships I've seen but the way Greg and Helena do it is um is different somehow there's there's no pressure yeah yeah it's very laid back very laid yeah. back and they they just yeah, yeah. It, that's what it Mondo's seems like such, it seems like Mondo's, another day Mondo's at the making office. his own choices Mondo's completely making his own choices Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You can see that. You can see that whenever, yeah. if you, if you watch that, that whole thing go down. So you had mentioned about, so about Curtis, like you think he's got, you know, some more upside. So what do you think are some things that maybe you want to, you know, tap into that you think might help him to prosper a little bit? So I think we would like to try and give him a little bit more capacity with his, uh, speed, I think. So if we can give him a bit more speed, overall speed, 
And then even he's running really, he's running okay on the runway, but I think he's running too close to his, to the edge to get there, which means I think then that's what he'll he's he'll break down at the last few steps and start falling out the back. Oh, and, okay. And, so he's you know, hitting red, if he red had line. A bit more speed, if he had speed in the tank, he'd be more balanced and be able to jump at takeoff. Sometimes, right. you know, sometimes he does, but other times it's like he's falling down the stairs. Relaxed takeoff. speed, just relaxed, well, yeah, controlled just, speed. And, and balanced and, and in a position to jump. Right, right. You know, so, so essentially that's that. We have had really limited ability to um, put training in, into him over the last few years because he had a really serious back stress fracture that, that's really taken a few years and, and we've been, you know, just balancing that and holding it together. We haven't been able to do a lot of work. Right. But that seems to have come good or a lot better now that we're hopefully able to put some real work into him. Um, I also think, um, you know, what we've tried to work on, I don't know if you remember back in the day, he's really good at swinging upside down after takeoff. But have you seen some of his takeoff pictures where he's basically punching himself in the face with his left arm, left hand? Curtis? Yeah, he'll be like, you know... (laughs) I yeah I don't I don't really remember ripped. seeing that yeah yeah so he just gets ripped so I mean we've worked on that but sometimes when he's under stress or pressure he'll resort back to that just getting mm. so um I just think you know we need more consistency so probably just general strength and speed if we can try and give him some extra of that so that basically yeah if he if he could operate at the same speed on the runway but have more left that would be handy um and um and i just think um his jump is is probably due to due to those things i think his jump isn't as it's it's not as locked in so sometimes it's hard to make decisions in comps. So you might go, he might blow a pole away. So you put him up stick, but that he doesn't do the same thing and he just gets ripped and just gets stood up. So it's like, you know, and then you put him, if you put him down pole, he'll, you know, sort of, it's not the same jump every time. And so um, that makes, so like at world champs, I would say, yeah, he, he, he missed. He's he did some really good jumps to miss. Like his last jump at sixty five was a brilliant jump yeah. on a big pole. But and if he was more consistent, we wouldn't be making those mistakes. Right, right. Consistent you know, with, the so, take, with the takeoff mainly. Well, yeah. So I think, like, say his connection. Like he might, he might. If he just slightly misses the connection, and he's sort of sinking into takeoff rather than jumping up into it. Right. Um. That makes it just a huge difference on how the pole rolls through. So he might, you know, like what was it? What did he do at World Champs? He, oh, he went. He blew through on eleven nine. Then we went eleven seven. He blew through, right? And then he went eleven five. Like you know, so this stands on eighty eleven five, and I think he made it, but he he just went up and down, and it just it was not the same jump. And then yeah. at at five sixty five or whatever, his first. Two jumps, he basically went he went up and down completely. Yeah. Like couldn't get 
And then I almost wanted to put him down. And he convinced me to stay. And on his last attempt, he just smashed it. So it's right. like, I don't know what I, you know, that I would, how do you make yeah. that decision based on the first two jumps? That's you know, a hard so point. it's again, but that's, that's on us to work out how to get, you know, we've got to get him more stable. Mm. Right, right. And um, I think, I think it's a lack of, a, like, he hasn't had it, he hasn't had the chance to do that much vaulting. Like, we've been, you know, for the last few years, sometimes it's been like every two weeks we can do one session. Oh, man. That's because his back was that bad. Jeez. Yeah, that's mm. rough. That's hard to get consistent, you know, like that and get your confidence, mm. you know, up and everything. So what about Nina obviously had an awesome year. Do you feel any pressure? Are you nervous about next year <laughs> at all? Yeah, already, already I walked in, I was like, all right, well, I guess it's only downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> no, not too bad. Not too bad. I feel actually relieved that, like, you know, now it's like I've, I, I really wanted Nina to just get this year, get a medal. I just wanted to get a medal. Now it's, we've got a medal. I think she can do better, but it's also like, I think the monkey's off the back a bit as well. Right. And she's actually, it's almost broken her free a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I still think it's going to be hard to get medals all the time. So, like, I don't think in – like, what I would like her to do is go and jump really well at World Champs. Like, like, let's say next year and she goes and jumps 485 and comes fifth. You know, I'm not going to yeah, – people – it's like, oh, she didn't do very well this year compared to last year or something like that. You know, it's like actually, you know, that's all I can ask for. Um, yeah, I do think though. I do think that she, like, say, needs to jump to like a ninety or something to make. Because I think she, the eighties she's done have been, you know, she's cooled them. Yeah, she's getting like, pretty consistent. Yeah, you know, at that. Bar. So I'm like, so I'm like, you know, you need to. You probably should be jumping nineties. Mm. You're probably jumping within yourself a bit. Right, but it's right. mentally you've got to jump ninety to make it feel normal. I yeah. think. So yeah, I'd like to sort of have a you know if we can break through and get a ninety in the books, then I feel like eighty would become um, that bar that she can do just week in week out, and that's what essentially what you want to kind of go for is is let's improve the average. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I totally, I, I totally agree, and I'm, I'm really, mm. you know, wishing, rooting for you guys, and wishing you guys luck. Um, I do have a, a few. I know, uh, we've been going for a while here, but I, I have a couple questions that I missed out on. What did you mm -hmm. fall six meters on? Um. So I. So also, you and Steve was. Uh, this were another one where I wanted to call in when Steve was trying to tell you what I did. I was on a five meter eleven point six. Wow. Gripping 491. No way. Mm. That's a push right there, man. Holy cow. Yeah. But I didn't want to, you know, it was like that was just, that was due to having a flat takeoff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I would have, like, I could grip higher, but my time, I, you know, affected the timing. And essentially, we were, worked out that that grip, I was just, I got more out of the push than I did by, out of the grip yeah you know so um just that's how it works out and it's i guess like sam kendrick's 
does weight weight he does that you know once a week that kind yeah of there was a rumor floating around though like whenever you did that because i that was whenever youtube mm. started to kind of come up a little bit and uh mm. I, there was a rumor floating around <laughs> at least where that where i was living at they were like yeah he was yeah. on a 15 six or he was on a 475 yeah and i was like yeah, I, how I'm old just, did he do that flattered. i just feel flattered that there was a rumor <laughs> about me <laughs> That's the goal, isn't it? Well, I was on a I was on a four seventy five, so I was like, "How am I on a four seventy five and I'm jumping like seventeen feet?" And he just jumped six meters doing that. So yeah, well, but right. Sam Sam did some Sam did some some stuff that was you know probably more real closer to that sort of stuff, didn't he? Like he's yeah, done some yeah. crazy big heights with low groups. We had something on uh, Rise Pole Vault's Instagram the yesterday or the day before where. Uh, we asked they asked like what was the highest six meter vault or something like or the biggest or smallest pole that somebody jumped six meters on and, I, and he mm-hmm. said it was a he he responded to it and said it was a 15 9 15 foot 9 pole so yeah. what would that be hang on so it was, does that 480 pole is it yeah far out <laughs> i know because oh, so he's gripping four Jesus, <laughs> yeah, and and his and his technique to me doesn't doesn't kind of look to me it looks anti synergy sometimes you know the way he chucks his head and sort of yeah he somehow beats it and again you know it's funny you can get caught up in your own um, biases and you can start to want to see the jump look a certain way over right. one metric that matters which is how high they jump. You right. start, sometimes that's why you need people to check on you and go, are you sort of, do you really think you, you, you're so caught up in wanting to get their foot behind this mark or whatever, Right. but they're jumping high. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Ed, he's very impressive and he puts oh. it together, man. He puts it together. Well, really impressive. We just think to see what his little brother, I don't know, his little brother's sort of starting to look, look, he better looks better. really good too. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I don't know how old and stuff. This I don't can't work it out how old he is and how good he is and all that sort of thing. But I mean, in America, it's different because people get better later. Yeah, like you know, there's, there's you know all the top guys. You don't often see they've not come through world juniors. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, that's probably A true. A lot of them blossom. They start to blossom in college. college and uh, and then but even so, after college. It's such a good system, though, because in, in Australia in particular, I think basically you have to have, to be relevant, you, you've got to get World Junior Qualifier and go to World Juniors um, to sort of be put on the map. And right. then if you, if you do that, then... It's world juniors to seniors, and there's nothing. There's no college, and you're sort of just in no man's land. Yeah, that's interesting. That yeah. is, and that's kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning, is where you're trying to maybe bridge that gap a little bit. That uh, you know, we can you can have some more, a little bit more people to choose from. Yeah, that's a well, pretty narrow market. <laughs> some 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 of the role of sort of a group is of the group is is to sort of bring up the the sort of stars. That's you know, you got to make sure you're doing that in a way that's like not using people. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. 
Um, so yeah, I sort of think that's sorry. That's that's the way to do it. No, that's the way to do it. I. Uh, mm. How hard is it balancing out training these elite vaulters and doing all these things and uh, balancing out like with your family and stuff? Yeah. So I find it. You know, again, training-wise, you know, I feel like there's this badge of honour with coaches of how hard you work and all that sort of thing, and it's and it's like the training, the fluff in in sessions and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's like that's. I think you can you can actually be efficient if you want to. You know, one hundred percent. If you get yourself organised, you can actually do it well, and you don't have to work from 6 a.m. to 9 at night, mm. you know, sort of thing, just so you can go and tell everyone how hard you work. Um, right. I think so. When I'm here, I find I'm I'm good. I'm, I don't try to um, – I try to just manage my days well and make sure I'm doing things with the kids. I mean, I want to just sort of make sure I'm doing a couple of the – I want to be at their sport when I can. Um, my son sort of he loves his skateboarding and soccer and so I try and you know I've started skateboarding because of him um get down the skate park with him or something you know then then I'm I'm sort of when I'm here I'm okay it's it's the long trips away that have been tough Mm. um and it's again I feel like I've I have to do it and I've and it's been I've been justifying it by saying these have been strange years because of COVID and everything. Um, this year I was away from June 1st till like I came home on August 14th. Oh, wow. For nine, day- for nine days and then went back to Europe for another three weeks or whatever. Um, I actually think this is something I want to start pushing for as far as I don't know what the situation in America is with all of that, but like in most sports over here, like, the big sports, cricket and, and you know, soccer and stuff like that, they're starting to become more family-friendly. Um, and I think that has to be that has to be the way, is you have to be ma- trying to help um, and make it easier to, for, say, like a family to come over and see you in Europe for a bit or something like Not necessarily pay for it, but, you know, make things, just try and encourage it. Yeah. Rather than sort of, you know, and, and make it make it something that sort of like the the employers actually push for, things like that, and they actually, you know, encourage it. Because um, I do still feel that there's this like um, you almost it's still not easy to ask for things like that. You're sort of like made to feel like, come on, this is sport. Yeah, you know, it, it's like I I just don't want to. Um, I don't think it's. Ex- I don't want to accept and go. Okay, well, I'm going to be a coach, so I'll probably end up with a bad divorce and no relationship with my kids. <laughs> right. You know, it's like yeah, I, I'm not. That. That's I don't accept that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it might happen. It might happen, but I don't want to plan for it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I mean, in the states, that's not as far as I know. Yeah. I mean, it is. I there's a couple people that get to go so and, and get paid trips and stuff like that, but I don't think that they. 
find well, their not culture. so much. I don't even, you know, I mean, of course, it costs a lot of money and stuff to bring your family, but say to me, I mean, I feel like it, there's been times where I've had, um, I say, a service department that I'm only in, and I've sort of mentioned, oh, can, if my family come over, can they sort of stay with me? And they'll say, well, you'll have to pay for half the you'll have to pay for half the cost of the thing then or something like that. And I'm like, so, but I've already, you've already got it. Right. And, right. And now you're trying to make money off it. That, That's like, sketchy. wouldn't you just, wouldn't you want me to, wouldn't you want it? Wouldn't you encourage that? Sort that of would thing. encourage you um, to be happier. Yeah. And more effective well, probably. Well, I just think you should want the, you should want the industry to not have a reputation of just, divorce and debauchery <laughs> yeah i mean because you know, that's like, that's tough that's that's a well, decent chunk of time i see a lot know? of i see a lot of sad single men like old, older men coaches and <laughs> stuff like that 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 you know i, I think at that point they're not having fun at the time but they're pretty they're probably they're pretty um you know probably got probably probably wish they'd done diff- things differently yeah yeah it it shouldn't have to be you know this way or that way you know it should it should it should there should be an in between well one thing i'll say is the athletes i work with like so they i they are so supportive of that sort of thing they are Mm. you know wanting me to spend time with my family wanting me to take time off and this things like that but i think we're doing that trying to do that both ways i think as well you know it used to be a bit like don't bring no no girlfriends don't bring girlfriends whatever but yeah. now i'm sort of like to me the best thing you know both nina and curtis <laughs> i feel like the best things that they've got are stable relationships there you go you know especially nina 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 having um and she you know her, her boyfriend's just you know a legend he's a he's a great guy she's I'm like i'll say to i don't stuff this one up he's pretty cool but um <laughs> they she's just so much more grounded yeah yeah you know she's been with him for a couple of years now and it's like she just there's no noise in her life right right that helps yeah, yeah the consistency yeah. and and just uh yeah that's i think very helpful but it would be nice you know i don't know <laughs> if they get to bring people with them to travel and stuff like that well, but yeah i i support nice. it I support them too, but again, again, like so, Kurt's girlfriend has a job here. Um, Kurt, uh, Nina's boyfriend plays Australian rules football, things like that. So it's not easy, but but it, I think even just the sometimes it's even just feeling the support from people and knowing that you can if you want to. That feels good, right? You know, right. like like to have someone say like, "Oh, can we do anything to you know." Um, you know, make things a bit easier with your family or something. Even that, just note that notion, right. is um is enough to kind of like give you a bit of a morale boost. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. All right, mm. so we did get somebody to phone in here. Name oh. Steve, Steve Hooker. <laughs> is this live? <laughs> no. No, I'm just joking. He oh. he texted me. He texted me. I I uh, I texted him. Was like, I'm about to hop on yeah. with Paul. Is any good questions? All right. So if any of these are inappropriate, uh, you know, okay. don't yeah. feel pressure. Ask him well, about you his. Uh, you tell me what I'm allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him oh, about his various his various bands with Jimmy Miller. Uh, well, 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I used to play a bit of music. We used to muck around and play with some bands. Jim Miller, did you know Jim Miller? No, like Jim Miller band, like. No, Jim. No, not that's the Steve Miller band you mean. Or Steve um, Miller band, Steve. Yeah, yeah. J- James Miller. He was a Australian pop holder that went in '96 Olympics, and he was like a rock star. He looked like Kurt Cobain, whatever. But that's anyway, awesome. he we we um used to play in bands, and we played like country punk band, and then we had this like we just started mucking around playing like we listened. To, we watched this Bob Marley documentary, so we decided to make a reggae hip hop band <laughs> called Gunja Brothers. <laughs> what did you play? What what instrument did you play? I was bass and backing vocals, and we'd play, we'd just start mucking around, so mandolin, all sorts of things. But yeah, the Gunja Brothers. You can look it up on YouTube. <laughs> I think it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty, um, pretty wacky. It's so, it's so, like, um, it's kind of purposely cheesy kind of thing, but it's pretty funny. Like bad, bad Jamaican accents and stuff. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that was pretty fun. Um, there we go. Yeah. All right. Also, ask about his worst airport experience with poles. Uh, okay, so I was with like Tim. I was Tim Mac was there. Who else was there? I think it was like Gio Giovanni Lanaro. Le, Le, you know? Yeah. I think Toby. No, not Toby. I don't know. There was a bunch of guys there. Hooker was there. So two Olympic champions at Sydney Airport. I have decided to try 520s, so I've got Steve's spare set. I'm carrying, I'm using Steve's spare set. Steve's got his own set, and um, we go to check in, and they say we have to go take it down to the bottom, down to the bulky baggage down the bottom. I go first and go down the escalator. There's a big pane of glass, and below that there's like a bulkhead, like a plaster big bulkhead sort of thing. I turned around and said, hey, guys, watch out for the pane of glass. And then as I said that, I just went, <laughs> my pole went through the plastic, through the bulkhead into the air conditioning thing. Then the back of my poles <laughs> got stuck on the, one of the stairs and the escalator's going down like this. Oh, and it just keeps pushing it up like this and pushes it. And I'm just like heaving, trying to heave it out of the way. And it's just getting worse and worse. And then someone presses stop, like emergency stop thing. And the pole's vertical and I'm standing there. My memory of it is that I've just like, I'm white, like Marcel Marceau. And I just like, and I just cough like a puff of smoke. Like, <laughs> but anyway, I just, like, I just went and I just looked down at the ground and I, Steve and Tim, they were all just laughing their heads off, right? <laughs> And I wasn't laughing. I didn't have, you know, I walked downstairs and just sat down and just let let them deal with it. I was just, they reckon I was just sitting there just like looking at the ground for like half an hour. Right. But um, I made everyone miss the plane. We all missed the plane. And I thought, well, I'm going to jail. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I've just, I've just ruined the airport. But anyway, like they, apparently they felt, they somehow felt, responsible they put us on the next because apparently they weren't supposed to make us take them or something oh, so anyway nice. oh yeah so, so, so then because steve hooker was so freaking famous at the time the news were there too so like so um <laughs> yeah it was all on the news and stuff and oh it's just 
That's, that's, that's the hilarious. story of my life. It's always me. It's always me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, All right. Yeah, so, well, yeah. Paul, I got one last question for you, and then we can, we can get off of here. But uh, this is one that we do at the end. Uh, we didn't yeah. talk too, like, too much about like really specific uh exercises and stuff like that but we yeah. ask a question where you choose three exercises that you would have your athletes do um and they can only do those three exercises and that's it and they can pole vault as much as they want so but they can only do as an exercise doesn't count you can do doesn't it as much as you as want ex- doesn't count yep okay um and they have to do these exclusively for the rest of their career. And, and you got to think that these three exercises would make them just as good as kind of what they are. Okay. I would say just one of the power, one of the, one of the Olympic lifts then. Uh-huh. Either, either like say clean and jerk or snatch something, something like, you know, because I guess you get, it's, a, it's an explosive movement and it's a full body sort of movement. Right. Um. So and just to choose one of them, whatever, whichever one suits people prefer. Um, I would say sprinting. Mm-hmm. How do, how how far? What what would we like? If you I would go, perfect. I would think like thirties or forties. Thirties or forties. Yeah, that's where I'm at yeah. too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe like thirties for girls, forties for boys, sort of thing. There we go. Um. Um, and let me think the last one, what does, um, I would say it depends on what they say, say if maybe one of the the gymnastic sort of, uh, pole vault sort of simulation exercise on a high bar or something for someone who's not particularly gymnastic and needs to kind of actually do that, but say someone who is locked in on gymnastics, I would probably add, um yeah uh bounding or hopping into like for say you know yeah. plyos right right some sort of bound and plyometric exercise yeah even I like say it. say like say like bounding like say five uh, five or six bounds for for distance into the pit or something mm. yeah you know yeah. something yeah just yeah. something explosive like that well uh, i mean sorry go take it back um also probably just 400 meter reps <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's insane yeah and we that's love insane. sam kendricks but man i just uh, yeah i don't know it's not my I thing not but my if, thing if that's what i've got to do to jump high then right count me out count me out <laughs> What if you showed up to your workout first uh first day of practice and you were like, all right, Nina and Kurt, you guys are uh I'm gonna do four four hundreds. So 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 they they you know they caught they caught the tail end of some of that. Like I've actually it's been it's only been about three years that we sort of I've just just gone, yeah. you know what? I think I'm done with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean mm. it's it's very similar to us. I think it like you we talked about earlier, I think it's just slowly changing, just slowly starting yeah. to change. You know. Well, again, when you're just wanting bang for buck for sessions right. as well, you yep. know. Yep. Get in and get out. Get rid of the freaking yep. fluff. Get rid of the fluff. Yep. The fluff's out of here, no man. Fluff. <laughs> no. Needle movers. Needle moving yeah. exercises only. <laughs> All right, Paul. Well, I can't yeah. thank you enough for your time. That was a really, no. I really enjoyed it. 
yeah, I, I, I tend to talk too much and talk over people sometimes. So sorry if I did that too much, but I really enjoyed talking to you too, Jake. So yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, we'll 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 run it back sometime in the future. And uh, yeah, thanks again. And this is the One More Jump podcast. See you guys.